0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre.
1: Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle.
0: That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. weirdo bookworms unite we want to share our love of genre fiction with you fans of horror sci-fi fantasy and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading hi everybody and welcome to another installment of genre junkies hi scott hi sandra so tonight is a very special night for multiple reasons First of all, it's horror, which is my favorite. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and secondly, this is a very special episode because we have a guest that we've never had on our show before. And this is our dear friend, Kelly, star of stage and screen and writer and horror aficionado. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Hi welcome so much for having you guys i am so excited to be on here i am
2: i am a genre junkies junkie <laughs> yay.
1: yay we're so happy to have you thank you
0: of course thank you yeah okay so kelly <laughs> talk to us a little bit about your love of horror your history with horror especially in regards to reading and now writing it tell us about your horror self you should see the grin on my face right now.
2: I'm just thinking, how, how long do we have? <laughs> this guy, <laughs> a while. Um, uh, so, you know, it's funny when I am someone who is very, very easily frightened. Um, as a kid, I was always very easily startled and scared. So for a while, I wasn't as crazy about horror. But then there was just a, a turning point at some point in my life in my childhood where I started to just fall in love with ghost stories and all kinds of scary stories. I absolutely fell in love with scary stories to tell in the dark, as I'm sure most horror fans are (laughs) age. Yeah. So there was definitely the beginnings there as well as, are you afraid of the dark?
0: Yes. mm -hmm.
2: And um, I'd say that was probably my initial introduction. And then eventually I started getting more into watching the movies and um my my dad is a genre junkie as well he's a, a big horror and sci-fi fan uh, hey dad hey dad Yeah, as, as far as uh, reading goes he he loves Stephen King and so growing up I would often see you know those books lying around the house and I remember seeing it oh <gasps> Thinking, oh, what's this? <laughs> and uh, I I started reading it when I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. And I'm sure most of it went over my head, but I fell in love with it. Oh, And uh, yeah, so those were kind of my beginnings. It sort of started with books and TV and then gradually grew into film.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I, I started out as a, a fan of horror and then decided, hey, I, I want to be in it too. I want to make horror. <laughs> i want instead of being
0: scared i want to be the one who scares others so oh my god yes i think that's natural yeah
1: (laughs) and i know that you've written a horror script and sandra's read it i have not because i'm i was told i'm not allowed (laughs) but uh where did your idea come from to when you started writing screenplays to go with horror
2: yeah, so um, this was actually my very first screenplay that I've ever um, I have ever written. I've worked a lot in theater, film, and television, so I have read a lot of scripts. You know, I'm familiar with kind of seeing the general format, and mm-hmm. it really started out as just a, a challenge to myself to see, you know, can I do this? I, I've always loved writing, um, especially creative writing, poetry, uh, you know, fiction, things like that. So mm-hmm. I just. I wanted to challenge myself and see if I could do it. And um, I, I wanted to explore um, nostalgia, which is something that uh, inspires a lot of my writing. Yes. I was
0: also, bring it back to It, I was listening to the audiobook of It. Oh, I didn't know that. Because that is a great audiobook, too, for anybody that's not listened to that. Stephen Weber, thank you for bestowing your vocal genius upon our lucky ears i couldn't have said that better myself actually um so bleed to love her is the name of your first screenplay and um it was recently congratulations a entered into the famous monsters of film land silver scream fest film festival so exciting Ah, that's incredible especially for your first script um I I mean, obviously, I'm going to say this, but I truly mean it. Um, I really loved it. I thought it was really beautiful and powerful. Wow, thank you. Talk to us about the story a little bit.
2: Um, so it really revolves around Caitlin, who is a, an eighth grader. She's 13. Um, she is obsessed with Fleetwood Mac. And uh, just Stevie Nicks is her absolute idol and goddess, um, and it it deals with her um exploring having a crush on someone in middle school and uh, the thoughts and feelings that come with that and um uh she also happens to be possessed by a demon, you know, no big deal, just so, you know, that's middle school for you. <laughs> it. it's a yeah, it's a very innocent sweet love story with some demonic possession and kind of deals with Caitlin, the main character in the story she has a crush on Chloe, another girl at school. And um, this was just something that I felt like I never really saw examples of this in the teen movies that I watched growing up. And I'm sure you can relate to this as well. But um, when when we were in middle school and high school, it was right in that boom of all these teen movies coming out. I mean, every weekend there was a new, whether it was a gross out comedy or a slasher film, there was Mm -hmm. just onslaught of teen movies. And some of them were, you know, really awesome movies, but I just didn't see really any gay characters as the, as the leads. And I was just thinking, I, you know, I'm someone who has, I was boy crazy in school, but I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, if I was girl crazy, who would be the examples that I would, you know, look to as far as, you know, really sweet and innocent
0: love stories. And I, I really couldn't think of any and yeah. that, disturbed me. that really disturbed me. No, I think that's so important that you found a way to combine your love of genre with also wanting to put a feminist bent on things and then also some diversity about sexuality in it. I applaud you. Well,
2: thank you. And then also, uh, there's a lot of religious themes in the screenplay as well. And that's uh, another
0: there one. are there are indeed people.
2: Yes. Yeah. One, one of the leads is a Christian pastor. And I just felt it necessary to uh, have a Christian character talking about homosexual issues and have it just be in a safe space and not be b- bombarded with these stereotypes of Christians that just hate all gay people and want them to burn <laughs> in hell, you know? <laughs> It's um, pretty heavy stuff, but uh, it's all framed with nostalgia, and I just wanted to reach out to people that grew up in the '90s and you know what it was like being in love for the first time. <laughs>
0: And the '90s was good, man. I, I know we were all pretty young, but the '90s ruled. Yes, yes, and there was some good horror in the '90s too. There was, and people a lot of the time like to skip over the horror literature and movies of the '90s, but they were really good. Now Scott is afraid of possession, but I think he's still going to like this.
2: Okay, okay. Well then, I I will give him per- permission to read it then. Woo-hoo. Really? Yay! I'm still uh, in the process of submitting it to
0: different festivals to try to get it out there. But uh, Oh, nice. Good luck. Well, um, good luck.
1: Keep us updated on that.
0: Yeah, please. Your fellow genre junkies want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you currently working on as far as anything in horror right now or genre in general? Yeah, so I
2: actually recently started uh, working on a short story collection Um, I've got a few, uh, I started one short story. I've got a couple poems that I might add in there as well, but um, I'd like to do a a horror collection. Yes. uh, Yeah, also kind of in the beginning stages of working on a horror series. Um, Again, very, very early stages, so I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with it, but I've got some cool ideas and I've talked to some amazing female talent that would like to help out with it. So
0: Oh my god, that's incredible. Are you kind of in sort of a YA horror thing or do you have like more or is it adult level too? I think um what I've been with the
2: series idea is something that would appeal to teens mostly um as well as adults that, you know, are horror fans as well. But um I, I think with the short stories, I would like that to you know, appeal to different age groups, but the the short stories I think definitely are a bit more uh, female oriented. Kind of have a more feminist, feminine kind of quality to
0: them. And that's what we love.
1: That that's our that's our secret focus of genre junkies. Actually,
0: I love it. <laughs> it's true. As women in genre writing? We we love to support the girl power in genre. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. So um, I'm I'm. really excited about this short story collection. And, you know, I'm I'm still very new as a writer. Um, You know, I've been a, a performer my whole life and writing has always been more of a hobby. So, like I say, I'm not sure exactly what avenue this is going to go down. Um, if I would self-publish or, you know, how that would work. But uh, we'll see
1: what happens. Just throw it out there. And well, you've got some press with the genre junkies.
0: Yeah. So you can count on that. You've got some built-in readers. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> so uh, we're going to go into talking about this book. But before we do, we want to tell you about some friends of ours at another podcast. Do you like horror movies? So do we.
2: Fuck the lie eyeballs yeah. out. Just because this
0: out. Out. She yeah. was great
1: Do you like American Horror Story? So do we
0: There were some butts Yep, pillins. Yep, butt Yep, pillins. Butt Yep, pillins. It's over 90% cheek That's your butt You see the essence of the butt
1: Are you into vampires Dancing in mesh tank tops? Us too
0: I was mesmerized by the mesh tank top And leather pants
1: Are you into high-minded Film critique and discussion? Because we've got that
2: And it is beautifully filmed Like it really Just the stark contrast of colors Like you said
1: Not your thing? How about a dick joke? His
2: dick, dude he- put his dick in a
1: f***ing pig. Come on. We've also got one dude to give dude perspective. Zombie apocalypse is no time to have your head in the pussy clouds, Mickey. This is survival. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So head over to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and subscribe to The Bloodlust, your go-to podcast for classy broads and a token dude talking horror.
0: All right, my dears. So the title that Kelly, I want to say, challenged us with this week, we let, we let her make the suggestion of a horror novel.
2: Make a suggestion ever again after this.
0: <laughs> um, and to anybody who's read this book, I think they're going to know exactly what we mean. Uh, the book is called House of Leaves. It's by Mark Z. Danielewski. Now, just in case you're not familiar, let me give you a, a synopsis here. This is a multi-narrated story, uh, first told by a character named Johnny Truant, a self-admitted, unreliable narrator who comes into possession of a manuscript by the now-deceased older gentleman named Zampano. Zampano's manuscript is basically a study of a disturbing and mysterious documentary film called The Navidson Record. The reader reads Zampano's interpretation of the film, Johnny's notes and diary-like entries, and other additional notations from unidentified editors. I mean, it's really hard to synopsize that book, but that's probably about as close as I can get to that's it. That's
1: about as good as it gets right there.
0: <laughs> Thank you. It is hard to pinpoint my exact feelings on this book. Scott, you look like you want to say something, like you're bursting.
1: I I do. I, I think I want to start the experience scores today. Oh, okay. Because I, I have to admit, uh, I have not finished this book. Okay, that's okay. So to give my experience score, I have to explain the very first horror of this book for me. So <laughs> the book's been picked. Uh, we have a deadline set. The box arrives, open it up, and what's inside can best be described as a textbook. <laughs> And I opened to the first page of the actual book, and it is, in fact, uh, you know, margin to margin text. And that was a horrifying idea to me. We actually <laughs> bought a second book to make sure that we had time to finish. Um, So with that in mind, the only score I can give the book is a struggle.
2: Oh, But
1: I think part of that is I went about it wrong. This book has points in it that I truly was showing signs of true obsession with and joy at the way it was created, but it's not good on a
2: deadline. I can see that. Yes, I totally agree. I I first read the book about 10 years ago and trying to reread it. I also did not finish rereading in time. um, because (laughs) It's simply not something you can
0: read on a deadline. You cannot rush through this book. Maybe it's not. I mean, I think I'm lucky that I had the time to devote to it in like big chunks. But that's, I I do like a challenge from a book. So I think I was just, I was just down for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And today I accepted that I just was not going to finish it in time. And I read it quite a bit still. And I, but I took my time with it and I let myself just enjoy the way it was structured. And I started to like it a lot. So- I, even though my experience with it has to be called a struggle, I think that that's not necessarily indicative of the quality of the book at all, really.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting that you say that because um, I was thinking about um, the experience score and you know what my personal opinion would be, and I almost have to say it's an obsession that's disguised as a struggle. If that makes sense
0: whatsoever. I love it.
2: Cool, because it is absolutely a struggle to get through, but. For someone like me who just loves reading and writing and loves puzzles and brain teasers and things like that, that is why I got obsessed with this book.
0: I think that's actually a really great way to describe it because for me, I had parts of this that was you know, a good read a solid story. And I enjoyed opening up to it. And then I had parts of it that were obsession. It's so hard for me to say exactly where my experience lands in this too. I'm glad we all agree.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And Um, some of some of it really is a struggle. And a lot of it, it. I mean, you have to kind of question yourself. Is this a red herring? Is this a hint or a clue or an answer to some riddle? A lot of it you might read through it and say, Well, was there even a point to any of that? Or is that just a like a, well, just a total red herring? But then on the next yes. page will be some beautiful poem that changes your life. And say, then you go, Okay, well
0: yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that is so freaking true. And I guess um I, I we have to be so careful because we're not gonna get into spoilers. So this section's actually gonna be kind of brief until we jump to spoilers.
1: It is, because the experience of reading the book, I think, is a spoiler in itself.
0: Yes, in a way it is. That Yeah, that's
2: true. I, I think the best way to go into this book is, for lack of a better term, completely blind, which mm-hmm. um, I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but blindness
0: is a common theme in the book. I feel like, Kelly, you've really studied this book. <laughs> <laughs> This tome—it's not even a book. This is a tome. It's a tome. It's a tome. You can't describe it as anything else. And I don't know if this is available as an ebook or as an audio, but I think you have to have this in your hands. You have
2: to. You have to have it in your hands. Absolutely. Um. And one question I wanted to ask you guys is: a lot of people call it a horror book. Would you call this horror?
1: I personally would not. Oh. Of course, I don't really know what I would define it as, but <laughs> I think it's it it is an um. It's a study in alternative storytelling built around a horror trope. Mm.
0: For me, this book is horror. Um, I think because it is. Because it is. is. Yeah, because it is. And Sandra said so. Yeah, it
2: touches on some extremely horrific concepts. And it leaves you feeling completely unsettled, disturbed, claustrophobic.
0: That's it exactly. Questioning yeah. reality,
2: how much scarier can it get,
0: you know? I totally agree. Um, thank you for filling in where I'm lacking with my words because that's pretty much apt. That's why I classify it as horror. There's certainly a sci-fi vein in there, I would argue. There's romance and, I mean, definitely some psychoanalytical stuff going on.
2: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's that's it's hard for me to really put a genre on this book, because like I say, you know, it has all these horrific qualities, but I just don't I don't know if I would call it horror.
1: Well, when I finally decided to accept the book as it was and experience it the way that I feel it should have been experienced from the beginning, I had a moment where it almost felt like I was Bastion poring over the never ending story.
2: Okay, I kid you not, I have a notepad in front of me and on it, I wrote (laughs) never ending story.
1: That is amazing. I mean, (laughs) there's this moment when you get when you get absorbed into it. And there was a couple of moments when I felt like I was making a discovery, a connection that no one else had caught before. Yes,
2: this and, is totally. So I, I wrote this note because I was thinking about this is totally for kids that grew up reading the never ending story and thought this is the coolest, you know, this is the coolest book I've ever read. This is what they read when they're grown up and jaded and have been through all of life's you know, forms <laughs> and <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you start with never ending story, you get to house of leaves. Exactly. Then you experience some hardships and true horror in life, and uh, this, and you end up in the house of leaves. Okay. Now, before we go to our spoiler break, I need to hear from each of you. C- where do you land on an appeal for this book? Like, who is the audience?
2: So, I would have to say this: the appeal for this book is the niche within the niche. <laughs> I specifically recommended this to you guys because I knew you would you would be part of that group, the few, the proud, you know, that would appreciate something. <laughs> like, that. Um, like I say, this is for, this is for the outsiders out there who would rather be solving a puzzle than watching reality TV. For the kids who grew up inspired by brain teasers and riddles, and would rather be in your room reading and writing than outside playing with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting a little intense here, I know. Long story short, um, yeah, I'm gonna give this a hardcore niche appeal score.
0: I agree it is definitely hardcore niche. Um, I and I don't want anybody who's remotely curious about this book to be afraid. I want you to be excited by like this gauntlet that we and the author is throwing down for you. Are you the niche of the niche? And I think this separates people because this book, as if you look around reviews, it is polarizing. And I think it's an incredibly exciting thing for people who love genre books to read and experience and find where they land in this discussion. And that is what makes art good is it should be polarizing. It should make people feel feels. I think that it is a
1: polarizing book, but I actually disagree with both of you. What? I actually am going to give this a general appeal score. Um,
0: Explain.
1: My initial thought was going to be niche because horror is very hard to get out of that category. But this is so unique and so interesting. I think that this might appeal to people who aren't into horror more than people who are into horror. Mm. I think that this is a book that people who like to read and don't come at it with a deadline, I think this is something that they could very easily pick up and pour over for weeks and really appreciate how unique the storytelling of this is. I
2: think, I think that's a really beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. 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 Perfect. I mean, I, because, yeah, because I could see, I mean, someone who is very into uh, classic literature, um, Mm -hmm. philosophy, psychology. Um, Yeah, I could see them
0: really enjoying aspects of this book, for sure. I totally agree. And Scott, you may have changed my opinion on it, because I guess part of that challenge aspect is I just want readers to read this book and see how they take it and how they interpret it and what genre it fits into for them.
2: Yeah, and I think also just to kind of step outside and looking at how we're viewing this book um, as people who might feel like um, outsiders or people who are, you know, very much into the arts and, you know, feel kind of lonely. I think a lot of times we like to feel like we're part of some kind of elite club, like like a secret club, like, oh, you know, we understand this book and you don't because it gives us a chance to to feel like... Well, you know, we are understood or we understand
0: each other. Yeah. Having an agency. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so I think maybe there's there's part of us that's like, ooh, we don't want the the masses to like this book because we want to stay comfortable in our little <laughs> club. So so thank you, Scott, for kind of opening our, our minds a little
0: bit. <laughs> I totally agree. And there's a reason why it says in the beginning that this book, this tome is passed around to people on kind of the fringes of society and kind of those who go against the grain. So yeah, um it's certainly a great challenge and we're going to talk spoilers. Kelly's going to stay with us. So we're going to take a quick spoiler break and be right back. Enjoying the show? please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at genrejunkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the spoiler section. I'm still here. Scott's still here. Kelly's still here. And we're going to unpack this book. Um, I'm going to start us off, if nobody minds. Okay, so for me, what worked for me? Um, The Navidson record itself, I love. I freaking loved that story. That was the obsession part for me. I was eating the record with a spoon. Zampano's Notes... Beautiful. The crazy backward text, the upside down stuff, the weird ed notes. I mean, I I haven't read so many footnotes since Lord of the Rings, but I loved that they were there. And And I got the feeling, the impression that it's like, you're not actually supposed to read all of these things at once. Like, you're supposed to kind of go back and and read these again like there's so much going on you can't actually get it all in one sitting i think uh the things that didn't work for me johnny truitt i'm sorry he didn't work for me um i found him his tales of sexual pastimes and drug use uh were a tiring distraction for me from a story that otherwise compelled me and when i go back and i think about his diary-like entries. And of course, the letters from his mother. I love those. I just didn't want it in this book for me. I
1: love the idea of truant, but I love that because as I've said many times before, unreliable narrators are my favorite. Right. And those sexual exploits, I don't think any of them were true. Oh. I really don't. Oh. the whole first like quarter it. of the book, he sets himself up as a completely unreliable narrator telling these incredibly just over-the-top stories.
2: Oh yeah, and his really... fight club stories. Uh, uh oh, right. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, you and know, you know Johnny Truant reads Palinok. He totally reads Chuck Palahniuk. That's like it's got to be
1: <laughs> So I felt that all of those, quite frankly, over-the-top sexual exploit stories were just as false as the ones that he was telling to lewd.
0: I see, I see. What's your opinion on, on Johnny Chewing Kelly? Well,
2: you know, it's interesting. When I first read this book, I was actually living in LA. And so all the references to Los Angeles and some of like the seedier sides of Hollywood really mm. resonated with me. So I found it oddly comforting in a way. Um, just, yeah, just kind of the the relatability, not that I related to any of his stories (laughs) at all, but um, just, yeah, just kind of the references to that seedier side of Hollywood. And, you know, I was working in the entertainment industry and I still do. Yeah. So they're definitely, it was just interesting.
1: The other thing I really appreciate is my favorite part of the book is There's a footnote at at one point after one of his stories that says, for more information, go to Appendix 2B or whatever it was. And it was letters from his mother. Mm. And that just completed his whole character for me. It gave me. Yeah. That was such a wonderful way to tell his early life and and again set him up as an unreliable narrator because you realize that some of the stories that he's telling his mother are fake. And it made me feel for him a lot more after I started reading that
0: a hundred percent. I'm curious see, I, did... I didn't do it the way you did. I read it after.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't
0: follow his appendices.
1: so you went you went from cover to cover?
0: Yes, I did. I went cover to cover. Oh. Maybe I did it wrong. I don't really I don't think know. there is a wrong way to do it.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. I I really liked the whale's toe letters, um, especially when she starts writing to him in code. Wait, what's
0: with that?
2: Oh, for me, that was just, it was just so much fun. I was like, okay, let's get into this. I, I loved cracking her code and it was just so like exciting and interesting to me.
1: This is a book that you really need to bring a highlighter and some of those post-it note tags that yes. you can label different pages.
2: Yes. Oh, this is, I mean, this is probably the first book that I've had to have a mirror to read this book.
0: <laughs> I had my mirror out to my makeup mirror and I'm like, let me see this. Yeah. Which is cool. I like feeling like a detective. You know, the squares where on one
1: side, it's the text is backwards and one side, the text Love is that. forwards. I just want to go in there with with an exacto blade and cut out every single one of those squares because it would actually leave a gap in the book.
0: Ooh. Ooh. I bet somebody's done it.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Have you guys seen the message boards about this, this regarding this book?
0: No. Oh, I don't
2: know. Oh, there's like a whole section of the internet that's just message
0: boards dedicated to this book. Okay, I'm going down that rabbit hole. That's a
1: rabbit hole I don't know if I can
0: handle. <laughs> And that's our personalities right there in a nutshell, everybody.
2: So I keep thinking about why I chose that term of relatability for Johnny Truant. And I think some of it goes back to the incident he has. I believe it's in the tattoo shop when he has that moment where everything I don't remember how what he refers to it as, but he has some kind of blackout, some kind of scary experience. Yeah, so he has the breakdown in the tattoo shop um, and the way he described it almost sounded like a form of like a panic attack or derealization or some kind of depersonalization. And yes. as, as someone who struggles with anxiety, I, you know, I, so I don't know if I entirely relate to his exact experience, but just the way he described those kind of blackout scenarios, it it sounded like a type of panic attack to me. And, I,
0: and that is something that I could relate to. I can totally... Um get with you and Johnny on that level as well. There is a human side of him that's um, very fascinating. And definitely, like Scott said, those letters makes him complete. And you're kind of like, I don't know if he's crazy. I don't know if he's lying. It's interesting that that's who the author chose to kind of represent the audience in this book. Yeah.
1: I didn't realize it at the time, but I think that that was deliberate by the author because there are footnotes that describe in great detail specific anxiety disorders and mental disorders yes. and all the symptoms that they show. And so clearly the author really did his research on this. So that's really fascinating. I That's really cool.
0: I think this book, like you said, there's message boards, there's all sorts of stuff out there. I think you really need to discuss this book with people. Discussing
2: it with others is almost like the group, you know, going in and exploring the house together.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Exploring Um, the never ending darkness.
0: (laughs) So since that was my favorite part, (laughs) the Navidson record itself, um, what do you guys take away from the Navidson record and Zampano? Do you feel that it's real? I feel that it's real. That it's a real phenomena that somebody made a film about, and in the pre-internet era, it's possible for it to almost disappear. Um, what do you guys think? You guys, you bought in?
2: Yeah, I, I wanted it to be real. Uh, not real as in it, it exists in this real world, but in the world of this book, I want it to be real. Yeah, I wanted there to be an actual film, and the the family, I wanted them to be real. Yeah, I I was I was in it.
1: I, I want it to be real in the in the world of the story as well. I, I like to believe that it was and that it really happened. I'll tell you what though, I want them to make the Navidson record into a movie.
2: Yes.
0: Oh my god, me I applaud, too. I
1: applaud
0: that <laughs> Yes.
1: I mean, how did do, how does he write a found footage film? Better than most real found footage films. I don't. I don't understand
0: that. Oh my god. Oh yes. my god. Yes. 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 I loved those characters, that family, the friends, rest in. uh, the explorers. I loved that. It was scary and fun. And there's at one point in there a theory in the end notes that was the theory I subscribed to that the house reacts to you. Mm. I like that.
1: I think that was Reston's suggestion uh, in one of the footnotes when it was happening, wasn't it?
0: There's so many footnotes. I don't know. know. So many. I just just read that and I was like, yes, yes, I'm with you. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: In regards to the footnotes, I think that that's one of the reasons why you really have to approach this book however you want to and maybe read it a second or a third time because there's a point in the very beginning of the book where there's, I don't know, six, seven full pages all about the goddess Echo. and it's it's fascinating, but it's it's not really relevant at all. <laughs> I mean, it definitely has some it's, tones that are appropriate. Right, it's but.
0: relevant in that the author put it in there for a reason.
1: Yes, and then at the footnote at the very end, um, Truant writes, Yeah, really? You probably could have skipped all of that. I just decided to keep it in there for the last six words. I'm like, you son of a bitch. And that was the moment when I, that, that was one of the moments that I realized, okay, I don't actually have to read everything word for word. Right. If it's not regarding the immediate plot of Truant or the Navidson report, then I can speed read
0: this. And you can go back because you can always go back.
1: Right. It's not going to disappear.
2: I'm such a completist. Like, it's hard not to read every single word because I feel like, oh, what if there's like a, a secret hidden in there that I might miss <laughs> if I. And speed read through
1: this. I'm so with you. And there were points when I felt like I almost missed a truant episode, <laughs> if you will, uh, because I almost didn't read the footnotes. And then I, as I was turning the page, I realized, oh, wait, that's in his font. And so I went back. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I read that because that was really interesting. So there's little there's little mind freaks in the book that <laughs> make you question how you're reading it all the time. Yeah, that's totally true. Just-
2: I just love how this book is so much bigger than just the book itself, which is what the book is about, is about a house that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Oh my gosh.
1: And the way that the book is bound, the cover is a dust jacket, but it's too small for the book itself. I thought that was just so brilliant for the for the. <laughs> I'm topic. just
0: noticing this now. Damn, good eye, Scott. Yeah,
1: the book itself has grown out of its own bindings. <laughs>
0: You're so right. I mean, I am going to reread this book probably multiple times in my life. Um, I'm probably going to fill up a notebook and be sitting in like a 24 hour diner sometimes just like going over my notes and notes upon notes. And I appreciate that he put this book out there for people.
2: Yeah. And so do you know who Mark Z. Danielewski's sister is? No. Hey, it's uh, the singer (gasps) Poe. Really? Yes. Oh my God! He has the song "Angry Johnny." Oh my God! So then, so now this book takes on this whole other
0: level, where now you have to go and listen to Poe's music to find other secrets about the book. My mind is blown. So Scotts, he's like he. I think he's hyperventilating.
1: I'm. 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 (laughs)
0: This is like this is
1: like some secret society stuff here.
0: This is Inception. And I just,
2: I love that the brother and sister are in on it together. Cause that is so something that my sister and I would do.
0: Like yeah. I just love, I love the sibling connection there. Same season. I didn't even know it existed, and now that just added a whole other fun, cheesy top crust layer to this book. So now we have to go and listen to her album "Haunted." Gosh, you guys, I think we might be starting a cult on House of Leaves. Yeah, we'll just ha- we'll have a
1: monthly episodic podcast <laughs> on <laughs> our our House of Leaves discoveries and theories.
2: It could be done. Track eight is five and a half minute hallway. Whoa!
1: Wow. What album is this?
2: The, the album is called Haunted. It came out in 2000.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I love how it becomes this whole interactive experience that, like I say, it's so much more than just the book itself. It is. It is. And I feel like in a lot of ways, this book was kind of a, ahead of its time. Yes. Weird this
2: is, and yeah. this is augmented reality.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: You, you, yeah.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay everybody. So I mean obviously um you could write an entire dissertation on this novel, unpacking it, discussing it, uh maybe teach a college course. I, I don't know. I think it's all very possible. Maybe there is a college course. But oh, school for that course? I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, right? Is it available online? So Kelly, just give us because you're the expert on House of Leaves among us. What should we use for our execution score uh, object?
2: Oh, gosh, uh, something like uh, how many endless hallways or spiral staircases? Are... I, th- I think
0: you hit the nail on the head. Okay, I'm going to lead us off. And uh, all right, for pure execution of something that I think was a brave book to write and experience for readers, um, something that's reminds me of other things I've seen or read in genre. Even though everything didn't exactly work for me, there was so much undiscovered, unfamiliar stuff for me to experience in this book. I'm going to have to give it an execution score of eight spiral staircases out of 10. I'm gonna pass it to Scott.
1: Well, by all rights, since I read this book wrong and didn't finish it, my official score to go on to the record has to be the very embarrassing... I, for incomplete, if I have to score it based on what I have read now, and specifically on my experience with it today and how I feel about it today because I finally accepted it for what it is, I'm very tempted to actually give it a nine spiral staircases out of 10. The author had a very deliberate vision for what he wanted to do, and he executed on it admirably. There's not much else to compare it to, which works in its favor. Yes. Uh, so as it stands, I don't know how he would have done it any differently because it is so unique. Kelly?
2: Yeah, I I am just in awe of all the work and research that went into creating this augmented reality reading experience. Um You guys hit a nail on the head. There's not much more I can add. Um, I have to give it an 11 spiral staircases out of 10 because my experience score is bigger than the score system itself. Much like the book. Oh! Oh! I like it. Mic drop moment. I'm just, yeah, I'm just completely in awe of all the work that he put into this book, um, researching the footnotes because... I mean, to my knowledge, a lot of these footnotes are referring to actual works and, you know, real existing authors. And I'm I'm just amazed at all the references he makes. And I'm so thankful to the publishers for, like, being okay with making this book. Like, oh, hey, can you make the word house, like, every time it comes up, can you just make it blue? <laughs> right. Oh, by the way, can you type this backwards? Like, <laughs> Props to the publishers and editors for doing all that and, um, yeah, bestowing this beautiful experience on us. I have to say, um, one of my final thoughts one thing that sticks with me more than anything in this book uh, would be the poetry. I think this is some of the most Mm -hmm. beautiful poetry I've ever read. It really touched me, hit me in a way. Uh, Poems like That Place, the one that talks about the kids in the summertime and a a dragon like -like monster. Untitled Fragment, the, the poem that begins with the angles of your wrists preserve a certain mystery. That's one of the most, most uh. romantic things I've ever read. Uh, oh, I should probably mention that one of these poems was actually used in my wedding vows. Are <laughs> so, you serious? That's not hardcore House of Leafs fandom. I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, so we actually, so my my dear husband, Brent, who is just the most wonderful man in the world, love of my life complete soulmate dream guy. Um, We use the poem, you shall be my roots in our wedding vows. Um, And well, if I could, I could certainly read that to you. So, okay. So this was the poem that was used in my wedding vows called you shall be my roots. You shall be my roots. And I will be your shade. Though the sun burns my leaves, you shall quench my thirst. And I will feed you fruit. Though time takes my seed. And when I'm lost and can tell nothing of this earth, you will give me hope and my voice. You will always hear And my hand. You will always have for I will shelter you and I will comfort you. And even when we are nothing left, not even in death, I will remember you.
0: Applause. That it is, is so beautiful. It is beautiful. And that speaks to the romance of the book. And it certainly speaks to your super fandom as well. Can you tell I'm a
2: theater geek? Is that Have I
0: not made that clear enough yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh my gosh, Kelly, thank you so much for bringing this book, like not letting me have any more excuses to not read this book and bringing it to genre junkies. And thank you for sharing your thoughts and being here with us tonight. It's such a pleasure. I've been waiting for about ten years to uh,
2: to find someone to discuss this book with, someone that I actually know, not just like anonymous internet message board people. You know, I did I, I bring it back to you know I mentioned about my dad earlier, kind of introducing me to horror books. I actually introduced this book to him, so I got I got him to read it too, which was fun. Yeah, there aren't many other people that I can uh, talk to about with this or about this one with. So, oh, so thank you sure. for. Being up for the challenge and just rocking it.
0: You got it. Thank you. Kelly, so where can people
1: find you on the interwebs?
2: So you can find me on Instagram at thehitwoman, T-H-E-H-I-T-W-O-M-A-N. Um, I do have a Facebook page. I believe it's just facebook.com slash Kelly Hitman, though I tend to be more I'm more of a visual person, so I tend to be more on the Instagram side of things. And come see me this summer at the Raven Theater in Healdsburg, California, where I will be
0: in the musical Shrek. Yay! Well, we'll certainly be there. And then everybody else should come check it out too. And you get to meet some genre junkies.
1: Yeah, we'll just, we'll just buy out the whole theater one night, all yeah. the genre junkies.
0: <laughs> exactly. Shouldn't be a problem. Okay, that'll
2: make my day. That'll be amazing. Um, yes, yeah, so we open June 22nd, and you can buy tickets at uh, raventheater.org or um, at the theater itself. Beautiful. All right, guys. Thank you Scott.
1: Thank you Sandra, I guess, and thank you Kelly. And
2: thank you Kelly. Thank you so much. Um thank you guys so much for having me. This has been such a joy to unpack this, this beast of an of a I was going to say novel, but what do we even call it? What do
0: we A tome. A tome. Thank you for just exploring this tome with me. Going on this journey. Well, thank you. And thank you to all of our beautiful listeners out there. And you know, I got to say it, please keep reading past your bedtime.
2: Uh, Did I said experience score? Is that the right term? Did I call it the right thing? Beautiful. Execution. Shoot. Execution. Should I try it again? What did you call it? Experience. I said experience instead of execution. Uh,
1: it's fine. It doesn't matter.
2: Okay. I think you did (laughs) it. It's cool.